Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Focus. And that's why I do one thing each day. Branding in a day, website in a day. Because when you let your brain focus on one thing at a time, then it actually can go much quicker. It can pick up things quicker. Um, it can make decisions faster and better decisions because it only has one thing to focus on. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Michelle Mazur of Communication Rebel and Profile and Communication Specialist Alan Stevens, then you're in for a treat, so go check them out, but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Elizabeth Pampalone, an international speaker, a successful entrepreneur, an expert marketer with over 20 years of experience. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnt-out non-profit directors to achieve success and freedom through the power of absolute marketing. In our discussion today, Elizabeth talked to me about the importance of getting your systems and processes documented, either on paper or in some electronic system, but getting them out of your head. We talked about the power of focus and she explained her system for developing a year's worth of marketing in one day. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Elizabeth Pampalone. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Jacksonville, Florida, threatened by a typhoon right now, she was telling me, Elizabeth Pampalone, who's the CEO and founder of Absolute Marketing. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Elizabeth. It's a great privilege to have you here as my guest. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And let's hope that the uh, typhoon... Um, turns around and goes away. <laughs> Let's just yeah, get on with it's this, very interesting. This important just, conversation <laughs> just happened as we were like literally as I logged on. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, absolute marketing and marketing is what you're all about. And of course, I do a lot of marketing, so I'm really keen to geek out about that and and understand your tips and share that with our audience. But before we do that, what is it that drives you and um, you know, why you do what you do? Well, it's, it's been something that I've, I've actually done for a really long time. 
And um, my mom was an entrepreneur when I was a kid. And so I, I kind of learned all that stuff early on. Um, I learned that I loved marketing and that I liked figuring out why people buy things and how they buy things. And then figuring out how to sell them something that they may not have initially thought they were going to buy, but then they would because of something I told them, something I said, a story I told, whatever. And so I thought that was really fascinating. And I just kind of made it something that I studied and really focused on. And the psychology of it was also really fascinating to me. I actually went to school um, in college to be a web programmer. So I kind of went into the technical side of things because I feel I felt like I could figure out the design side because I'm, I'm a creative person. I felt like I could figure out the, the sales side and the business side, but the technical part I knew I needed to learn from somebody specific. Um, so I, I went to school for that. And when I came out, I became a software developer and that was very difficult. <laughs> it was very technical. It was very closed off. Um, you know, you're in a cube, you're, you don't really see many people and I love people and I love being around them and, and working with them and doing team tasks. And this was not that at all. So um, I, I ended up quitting that job. And when I had a life change at 21, I ended up deciding, you know what, my, my life is just kind of clean slate <laughs> starting over. And so I'm going to start a business. And that's what I did at age 21. Hmm. Fascinating. And, um, so starting off as a web developer and web designer, um, you, you, and you realized you missed the people component of that. I mean, one of the experiences I had early on in my career, I wasn't a web developer or web designer, but I became one because that's what people seemed to want at that time. Uh, and I found, so I'm, I'd be interested to hear your experience about this. I found people would come to me and say, oh, I'm, look, I'm cutting back on marketing. I don't need marketing. I don't need systems developed. I don't need um, advertising or whatever whatever else we might have been talking about to help them grow their business. But I don't ha yet have a website. So this was in the days when a lot of businesses didn't have it. I'd, I'd like a website. And what they meant by website was an electronic brochure. And uh, <laughs> I found it very frustrating to convince people that, well, your website is actually a core part of your marketing. <laughs> And, you know, we need a marketing strategy first before we build that website. So what was your experience in that? Well, when I was in software development, I was working on large websites that had already been built and I was working on little tiny pieces of them to okay. make them yep. work better. Hmm. And that's that was definitely not what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I came out of that and I started building my business, which was actually a computer repair business and you know, computer training, because that's where I kind of started. I built my own website and I started to realize that there were some things that I could streamline. And then as it, as my business grew, I started to meet other business owners and I thought, Oh, I can actually help them with the things that I've been doing for myself. And I can start a marketing agency. Cause that's really what I wanted to do as kind of an end goal. And so I was still running the computer repair business, but I started the marketing agency at the same time, um, a few years later. And I realized that people were like, like you were saying, I just need a website or I just need social media or I just need, and they would pick, they would kind of cherry pick one mm. or two things. But what I would realize, and, and this is why I was so successful is because I was, I had a good brand. I was running a website that had all the right features on it for what I wanted to accomplish. Um, I was using social media. I was using email marketing. I was using blogging and I was using in-person meetings like, networking and things like that. 
And I was doing all of those things. And yes, it was exhausting. And yes, there was a lot of time it put into it. But it was the strategy to do a little bit of everything as a part of the whole marketing strategy. So website was a part, social was a part. And I saw that all these other business owners were saying, website's all I need. Or if I build the website, they will come. Or if I have massive social media following, they will come. And so I was like, no, that's that's not how it works. <laughs> and so I tried to use myself as that example of saying, look, you think I'm successful and I kind of feel a little successful in what I've done. So if you look at what I've done though and how I've accomplished it, I did a little bit of everything in the right way as part of a strategy so that it could be you know, actually effective. And people didn't really take me up on that initially. And not until I really sat down and took my own formulas and my own strategies and made them into a system, then I started to see people go, I want what you have. Oh, that's how I get it. And then they would just take me at that. They would kind of take my word at it and, and do the whole thing. So um, I still have to convince a few people now and then, but sometimes, you know, most of the time it's just, okay, you have five days. I want what you have as far as marketing goes. So I'll do the five days. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's um, when people understand that it's actually a system that you can replicate and whether it's it's the way you do it or whether it's different, there are different ways to tackle it. In But having a system and having it all as part of the overall strategy and all the different elements that you're um, you've decided to focus on because you don't need to do all social media. You don't need to do um, all of the different things that you listed up across the board. You've, you've picked the platforms and the areas where you're going to connect with the right people. Um, so tell us about absolute marketing, about the system and, and what, so the business is absolute marketing, but the product also is absolute marketing. So where's the connection and, and tell us a little bit more about the system. Yeah, so when I came up with the name for for the system, I realized it was all of what I did, and I wanted to really niche down. So when I really sat down and wrote the system out on paper, because it was always in my head, and I always kind of followed it, but nobody ever knew that. <laughs> so I wanted to get it out there officially, um, and I came up with the name, and I realized that it was everything I did, and I wanted it to be the only thing I did. Um, and so now in my business, I have a done with you absolute marketing service, a done for you, a coaching, and I have different levels of how you can get the process in and in, you know, working in your business. But I, I just do the one thing. It's just the five days and it is the only marketing you need. And I really feel that I truly feel that. And I know that with my clients and myself, it's what I use to create their success and my own. And so I really believe that the brand is the foundation of that. And I start with the brand. We spend one day and create your brand. I spent years working in marketing and doing marketing for other people. And it would take us three weeks to create a brand, a month and a half to create a brand, six weeks to do a website, three months to do a website. I've heard people that have spent a year on a website and still don't have it launched because the person they're working with, it's all this back and forth. It's all these emails. And I said, you know what? If we could eliminate all that extra time, if I could sit down with you in a room or on a virtual call, whatever, and just ask you questions and I could say, look, I designed this. What do you think of it? Oh, I don't like that color. Okay, let's talk about colors. Let's talk about psychology of color. Let's get into that a little bit. Let's brainstorm this or this section or that section of whatever it is we're working on. 
and actually have those conversations immediately rather than sending an email, waiting for a reply, having a phone call. Oh, I can't meet this day. I'm busy. Da, 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 all these different things happening. Mm. Just sit down for eight hours and do it. I know, I know it's not for everybody, but the people that it does work for, it's amazing. So first day is brand where we create um, all the logos, the colors, all the brand documents you need. And we also write an ebook. So that's day one. And then we create a website from scratch on day two. We create 12 months of social media posts on day three, 12 months of blog posts, which is 12 to 24 blog posts on day four, and 12 months of email marketing campaigns on day five. And so I feel if you have this, this really broad approach that says we've got a solid brand, we use it with the website, we then bring the brand over into the social and tie the social back to the website, we bring the blogs into the website and tie them to our email marketing on the next day. And now we have all this stuff that's all connected. It's all branded correctly. We don't have any confusion over who we are, what we do. And we can present it to the world. And now we have a year done in five days. And now we can actually, as business owners, go and focus on all the other stuff we have to do, which is the sales and the hiring and the recruiting and making the product or service, you know, all those other things we have to do and not worry about the marketing because it's already running. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, it's it's kind of like starting up with a clean slate and then building those things. And I know, you know, you mentioned that some websites will go on for ages and, and never get live or, or, you know, years. And there's a lot of this back and forth. And, and I think part of it is the perfectionist trap. Um, you know, one thing that always frustrated me was, oh, can you move this thing a couple of pixels to the left or a couple of pixels lower? And, you know, until you've done that, we can't launch this. And um, one of the things for me is, I mean, your whole marketing system, whether it's a website, even even blogs that are already published or um, or that ebook that you mentioned are a living, evolving thing. You can change them. So the sooner they're out, out in the public space where your ideal customers can actually see and get the information, the better it is for you. And if, you know, God forbid, if somebody were to come back and say, hey, there's a spelling mistake on a page of your website, that's feedback so you can improve it rather than, yeah. oh God, I shouldn't have launched it. <laughs> right. And, and we have that all the time. I mean, we're human, we make mistakes and we don't want those types of errors on websites or any books or anything mm. like that. But you know, it's it's about getting it done, you know, and it's progress over perfection. There's actually um, a law that I follow for my business, my finances, it's a lot of different things it applies to. And it's called Parkinson's law, basically states that there's time, then your work will fill the time you would give it, right? <laughs> so if mm. you say we have a year to build a website, or we have an unlimited amount of time to build a website, it'll fill up whatever that time is. Yeah. And if you say we have eight hours to get this done, Decisions are made quicker, not because the person feels rushed or, or hurried, but because they have a deadline in front of them. We have until the end of the day. So if I sit here and worry about those three pixels <laughs> and mm. say, well, it's got to be higher, it's got to be lower, or I labor over, you know, as the client, I labor over the color, it's not the right shade or whatever. One, I have to trust the person I'm working with. So they would be, need to trust me a little bit and my expertise. Yeah. And they also would have to trust themselves to make a decision. And even if it's not the, you know, one they could have made if they had five days to think about it, it's mm. the one they needed to make, like you said, so they could actually get out there and move forward because this kind of stuff stops so many people from actually building a business. Yeah, yeah. 
the uh, funniest experience in relation to that I had, I was working with someone to build a website and it was 95% done and there was a couple of bits of content that were still to be written and but it had dragged on for months and I was with that person we were doing some work together I was with that person in the Philippines to um, meet with some people and organize this project we were working on and after we finished that we spent the weekend there and would we planned to do some tours um, with there were a group of us and this lady um, got up in the morning on the Saturday and we were going to go and do this tour and I said we're not leaving here we're not leaving this apartment until that website is live and I said you know and if that means we miss the tour <laughs> we miss the tour because I I'd been there before so I'd done this tour before so I didn't have anything to lose really and we finished it in an hour and a half it was live online hour and a half and then we went and did the tour which was great because there was no um she had no time then to think about oh maybe i should have done this maybe i should have done that so she was completely occupied with this other experience and and i thought oh maybe i should do that more have this <laughs> we'll launch a website in some remote location and and there'll be a tour involved in it right <laughs> and i've actually done that i i actually will go to clients you know cities and i will i rent an airbnb and i stay there and then i usually make sure it has a really nice big kitchen table some kind of nice lounge area um you know somewhere where we can work together mm. but i want them out of their environment yeah so that they're not distracted by anything else and they can also just focus and that's why i do one thing each day branding in a day website in a day because when you let your brain focus on one thing at a time then it actually can go much quicker. It can pick up things quicker. Um, it can make decisions faster and better decisions mm. because it only has one thing to focus on. So I love doing that. I have a an office um, in my city as well. And I like just taking people out of their element. And I've had people say, well, can't we just do it at my office? And I'm like, nope, <laughs> you have to <Yeah>. leave. <laughs> you have to go somewhere else. And leave your phone there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's um yeah the power of focus is is just magical and you mentioned Parkinson's law earlier I mean if if you give yourself a year to do a project I mean my experience is not only does it fill up that year but 90% of the work will be done in the last 1% of of that year so you might as well just make it shorter anyway because you know that the actual time you really working on the project is very short. And that's why we see some of these. Um, my husband used to work in uh, government contracting with uh, construction. And <laughs> so they were building, you know, these these massive projects for these municipalities and like cities and stuff. And he was like, we said it would take three months. And it's taken a year and, and 13 months, like two years in a month. <laughs> like it's taken so long. And so he's like, you know, if we actually if they actually felt like the deadline was real if there was consequences to the deadline then they would get you know on it and then the cities would you know make sure that those copies were made make sure that those seals of approval were put on and make sure you know all that stuff that has to all the red tape part has to be cut through and um i think that people you know when i sit down with them they have today they have their day that they've booked and 
they don't have any other time. They've paid for the day. And I do it that way. So it's not like, oh, well, can I ask you this later? Or we'll just do this later. No, you paid for today. It is done. Now, if you need help later, we have maintenance and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, if they want to tweak it later, they have the ability to do that. But they really do understand that I this money is for today. This is what I've paid. And if I want more, I got to pay more. I got to do, you know, and so that kind of stops them from kind of letting it drag mm. out you know, into Encourage more days. focus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, once once all these assets, these marketing assets are in place, how um, I'm curious as to how you teach your clients then to use those and how to, in that year, let's say, where you've got those blog posts and the social media assets and everything's running, and you're engaging with the audience through that email automation, how do you coach them to then build the relationships from there? Because really, they're just touch points that establish relationships. How do you then um, teach them to take all that system that you've built, all the assets, and then build the relationships that will ultimately lead to a sale? A lot of times, they're already doing that or they want to do that. They're already headed in that direction, but then they run up against, I don't know how to put together social media. I don't know how to create graphics. I don't know how to build a website. And when they do that, they get stuck or they spend a ton of their time focused on learning how to build a website or learning how to set up a domain email or whatever that is. And then they don't ever get to the relationship part. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I find a lot of my clients are best at. They kind of have this natural inclination to make those connections and have those conversations and go out and teach what they know or whatever that may be, but they don't have anything to back them up and then they feel like they're missing something. And so I find that I don't have to do a ton of coaching around that. Sometimes I do, you know, sometimes I give some pointers and some ideas, but a lot of times people that come to me, they're like, I want to reach out to people. I want to start using LinkedIn better, you know, and those kind of things. And they have those tools and those resources, but they don't have this backup that mm. says, I'm legitimate, my business is real, <laughs> we have yeah. products, we have services. And so they also don't feel like, um, sometimes I work more through the imposter syndrome with them than, mm. than anything else and kind of getting them that confidence so then they can go out. And I actually had a client that I worked with, she was, um, her and her husband owned the business and they did um, like medical, it was a medical type service. Um, and she would, her best client would have been a hospital. And we have several large hospitals here. And it would be very scary to walk into one of those places and just immediately be rejected because that's what you're thinking in your mind. I'm just going to yeah, walk yeah. into this big place. I'm this little, little company. And wh why would they work with me? Right. And when we started working together, she's like, oh, we're just mom and pop. We're just, you know, this and that. And I said, well, let's build your brand as if you're one of the, you know, you're in the high levels, you're in the, mm. you're providing a service that's at a high level. Cause she was, she didn't see it that way. Mm. So we built her brand, we built her website. And when we finished her website, she goes, I'm going to walk into the largest hospital in town next week. Mm. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> and she said, I never would have had the confidence to do that because I always, I did my own website before I did my own brand before. And I felt like it was just DIY. And I didn't feel like it was a company. I felt like it was a small business, but I didn't feel like I owned a company. 
And she's like, now? And she's like, with the website, with the brand. It just gave her this almost like instant confidence to say, yeah, I can walk into this large hospital and say, you need to work with me because I'm going to save you this money. And it was because we had talked it out as well. We had worked through all of that stuff so that she could have a clear message because she knew what she wanted to say. She just didn't know how to say it clearly. She was kind of going around and beating around the bush a little bit. So once we had the clear message, the beautiful website, the new brand, she was just like, I'm going in there. And she did. She went in the next week. She got, she made some connections. She handed out her card. You know, she had, she had all the pieces and she was ready to go. And she's like, yes, check out my website. We have these things. And it gave her that confidence to take that step in that instance and other instances later on. So it was really, really neat to see that. Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, Having those assets in place and having them look professional actually changes your mindset, doesn't it? It really does. It really does. And I, I've seen this with more than one client, but it also, I think, gives them that relief that that part is done as well. Mm. And that helps too, because they have this stress on them that I don't have a website, I don't have my business card done, I don't have, you know, it's just another thing on their to-do list. And the fact that we can just mark all these things off all the things that they should be doing to actually go and make money. Like you said, the relationship building and, you know, having those conversations and actually getting out there and selling the product or the service, those things come up the list from the bottom because they're <laughs> kind of pushed to yeah. the bottom when they think the other things have to come first. Yeah. Yeah. And also um, because I'm good at that, that can wait because that won't take me long. Right. So uh, right, and, right. And then you end up, you know, we talked about focus, you end up focusing on the things that, you're not good at that take a long time. Uh, maybe you learn them, maybe you get good at them, but that's not really the best use of your time. Yep. <laughs> and if you're not a marketer, it's never going to be a good use of your time. And, and that's something that's been hard for me as a business owner as well, is that I'm really good at marketing, but there are so many other assets and, and facets, I guess, of a business. And when it comes to taxes, when it comes to the books, I have people in place for that because I learned early on, you know, still hard to let go of a little bit of the control, yeah. but it, I learned early on that it's definitely better use of your time, even to the point of personal mixing with business. So a few years ago, I hired a housekeeper. My house is not that big. It's only me and my husband. It's not, you know, <laughs> not that dirty, you know, and I hired someone to come two times a month and clean my house. And it's because I don't have time to do that. It takes me take me probably about four hours to clean my house. It takes her an hour and a half. Yeah. And I pay her much less than it takes me. I mean, it takes me, you know, uh, not very long to make the money to yeah. pay her instead of me basically shelling out essentially in four hours of my time times my hourly rate. Like it's a lot more than I paid her, pay her to do her job. And she runs her own business. So now I'm supporting another business. And so it's just really interesting that when you have these things that you could let go of, but it's really hard to, because in my head, my mom was saying, you don't need a housekeeper. Why do you need a housekeeper? <laughs> but at the same yeah. time, realizing that as a small business, that is something that is more valuable for me to not spend my time on. Same thing with the websites, you know, and bookkeeping yeah. and all that other stuff. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a wonderful philosophy to have because, you know, there's, there's more and more, conversations going on now that time you know time is so precious i mean we're all here for a limited time and time is 
a non-renewable asset. It's the only non-renewable asset, really. And so to make the best use of that time and to take that philosophy of somebody else can do that because it's not the best use of my time. And, and the best use of your time will actually give more value than that other thing to you. Yeah, and I think that people are getting away from, um, I, I hear less and less in my business, well, how much does it cost? Right. I hear less and less of that. I see more people looking at value. And like you said, oh, it can be done in five days. Okay. That's, that's going to take a lot less time than I thought. And that's going to move me much closer to my goal much quicker. Um, and, and while not every service or business is like that with the time element, whatever they're doing is going to speed up that other person who's hiring them, their process and whatever it is they're using the service for the, you know, product for, um, and so I feel like that we're seeing people's mindset in general, like overall shift instead of it just being, well, who's the cheapest and who can do it, yeah. you know, for the least amount of money. It's, well, who's going to do a good enough job because I'm going to have to get it redone if it doesn't happen right. Hmm. And then where can I actually get this done so that the time element is also included in that? So it doesn't take a year for a website. <laughs> mm, yeah. Two really good questions to approach anything, really. Um, you talked about an ebook that you create as as part of the branding exercise on day one. So talk to me a little bit more about what does that entail? What what's the purpose of the ebook? What uh, is it used for then? I use it as like a lead magnet for their mm. website and their email marketing. And I put their email marketing list um, box on their website typically. Um, and depending on the business, but most of the time we use that. And then I'll hook up the email marketing to an automated email series. And then that will actually also send out the ebook that we create. So when people, you know, it's kind of a loss leader saying, hey, I'm going to give you some information. I'm going to give you a, a list of tools that I use. Maybe I'll give you a checklist or maybe I'll just write an ebook. You know, I've had people that have written blogs and they don't want to use the blogs again because they've been out there for years and mm. they're just kind of saying, okay, I'm, I'm done with putting them on my website but I want to use them in another way. And so I'm like, well, several of my clients had about five, like three page blogs. I mean, they wrote like a lot. This was when they were, mm. you know, writing back in the day and they're like, but they're really, really good. Yeah. <laughs> but they were kind of using that old convention of writing a ton of information in one blog. And I said, this would be great ebook. Let's put all of these together. Let's write some transitions. And now we have a really nice ebook and we can put some extra pages in it, table of contents and about you page. We could beef this up and now we have like a 15 page ebook and we didn't have to really do much because they already had the content. I think a lot of people forget that they have content already. Mm. We just need to repurpose it. And so I repurposed that content for them, created the ebook and um, in a program for um, publishing, set it up as a PDF, put it into their email marketing system with a funnel, like basically several emails, you know, that just were like, Hey, here's the ebook. And then another one a week later, Hey, how's that going? Did you read this part? We really like, you know, how this works with that. And, and then a third one that says, and now you're ready to buy from us. <laughs> um, and so just setting all that up, um, but kind of using each day to build on itself. So when we build the brand, we use it in the website. When we build that ebook, we actually use it in the website as the loss leader, but then we also connect it to the email marketing at the end of the week. So there's lots of things in there. And then on the social, we'll actually take um, the social posts and say, hey, have you read our ebook or have you downloaded our ebook? Go here. And that's also building your email list. So I really try and 
basically take the string and connect all the dots together so that you're not just saying, yep, I got social media. What's it doing for you? Well, I don't know, <laughs> but it's actually all connected um, and you're actually feeding it into itself so that you have people in a funnel and they don't get dropped out of that funnel because all the strings lead back to itself in some way. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really great point that um, everything should be connected and should lead to the ultimate purpose, which in, in your case, the way you've built that is to... Um, go through the ebook so it's it's sort of leading people to one place no matter where they come from and what their journey is but leading them to one place where they can get all the relevant information and then from there they have a fairly simple choice either the information's right and you're the right person or or no you're not so you make it pretty easy for everybody yep simplicity is key <laughs> yeah. all right now with with that email marketing um so you, you basically said there's three emails that you set up in the automation sequence. So what else do you recommend in terms of using email to continue those conversations, to build those relationships? Do you, you do anything with, with email there and, and, and social media as well? Because the, the 12 posts you've set up are, are also in advance. And, and I mean, if you think back to 12 months ago, where we were then and, and what's happened in the meantime, you you probably will want to have the capability to put other information up that's relevant to the things that's going on and the changes in the environment that are happening right now. Yes, I get this question a lot. And in my own personal uh, emails and social media that I have set up um, for myself from the beginning of last year through the end of last year, the only thing I had to change there were two or three that I had set up about networking. And because networking was not happening, I went in, took them out, replaced them with something else that was a little more generic. That was the only thing I had to change. Um, a lot of my clients didn't have to change a lot either because what I try to focus on when I work with uh, social media, when I work with blogging and even email marketing is evergreen content. Hmm. All of us have so much to pull from when it comes to evergreen content and we don't realize it. We're, or we're sitting there every day thinking, what am I going to post on social today? What am I going to post on social? And that's just not the right question to be asking. The question to be asking is, what can I put together up front that I could be posting all year? <laughs> and um, so for, for that particular thing, when I actually post something on, um, you know, on email or through email and I send them you know, out the mass email, I actually utilize if someone's doing a podcast if they have a portfolio or if they um, are on podcasts, like I was on a lot last year. So I, I have like a, a little mini blog that's just me sharing the links of where I was on different podcasts. And then I also share from, um, like I said, their blog and podcasting, blog podcasting. And there's another one I can't remember what it is. Um, oh, the portfolio, right. So it's just those three. So I will share those out. And if you're doing like videos or you know, video podcasting or whatever. So I basically pull from these lists and I'll do digests. So like once a week, I'll send an email and say, hey, this is all the stuff that happened this week. Did you see it? Hmm. It might be going out on social each time it, you know, hits, but it's actually coming as a digest. I've done um, campaigns where they're like, you know what? June is when we really hit our insurance season. 
we, we are in open enrollment for home insurance and this and this. And then November is our open enrollment for health insurance. And they've got like these cycles that they run in. Then we focus a lot of our time on building several funnels for those cycles. So we might send out a series of seven or eight emails for that cycle. And it might run over a course of two to three months. Um, but then we focus on those. Uh, the other thing I do is for me, I like to, I don't like the digest as much. I actually like to send one email per item and I will send um, one email every time I put out a blog, a blog, one email every time I put out a podcast, one email every time I'm on a podcast. And this amounts to about five to seven emails a month. I also post if I'm going to be on a summit and I'm going to be speaking and you can get tickets, I'll post, you know, send out that email. Um, and the ones that I like to do ahead of time, because obviously the summits, I don't know where I'm going to be next, you know, in six months, it might happen four months from now or five months from now. So the ones that are evergreen, I set them up so that they're automatic. And then the other ones, because it's one off here and there, it's not a burden to go in and go, oh, I need to make this really quick. Hmm. Because you don't have to sit there every day and go, what emails I'm going to post this month? What emails am I going to send out this month? And same with the social. If we can get a lot of good evergreen content in there, if something exciting happens and it's new and it's a summit I'm going to or it's, um, you know, uh, some event that I'm hosting, I can actually just put that in on the fly. It doesn't have to be scheduled. So and it makes it easier because I'm not sitting there every day going, what do I post on social? Mm. It's already done. I might think that once or twice a month because everything else is already running and I'm just adding to it. And of course, the more the merrier when it comes to those platforms. Um, but so I don't really feel like there's a lot of change that has to happen. A lot of our clients didn't change their tactics. They added to it. They were, yeah. they were sending out extra emails about COVID and what they were doing about it. And they were sending out emails about their operations and how they were changing. And so, and they also posted that on social as well. So there was extra stuff we added, but because we weren't worried about the every day, because that had already been done they were able to focus on the the kind of crisis mode they had, the crisis communication they had to do, um, and also focus on the the good things that were happening and focus on let's let's share this nice, great thing that's happened, yeah. but then also still have that evergreen content about their product or service or organization still going out as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, there's two things, two things I really like about the way you've set that up. But the first one is, you know, there's the frameworks in place, and so the crisis that most of us found ourselves in didn't suddenly derail the marketing in general because that was st still running yes there was maybe some tweaks to do but it gave you the opportunity to then engage with customers which is the relationship building part and focus on that part because the rest of it's still running and there's a framework there and the other thing about the framework is you've got You've got all the brand assets, you've got the layouts, you've got the structure, and presumably you you know you work with people to set up the blog structure and the social media post structure and how each one's going to look as part of the branding exercise. So when you just take the information, plug it into the structure, do a little bit of the design, come up with an image or whatever, and, and then it's done. So it's a lot easier. Exactly. And a lot of the stuff that's already built in that we do for the whole year it's education. It's sharing things that your your clients, your customers might already know, but you have to remember new people are coming in all the time. There's new people adding to your your roles essentially all the time, your email roles, your your social roles, 
And so you still need to repeat the same types of information. And even sometimes, I mean, if you if you're honest, if you look at what people post on LinkedIn or on Facebook or even Instagram, if you look through it, you're going to see some repeats. Hmm. And you're also if, if you don't remember, you're going to see something that was repeated. You might not even remember that it was repeated yeah. unless you actually were like really like, OK, I got to find the other one. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, my sister, actually, she's a marketing major at uh, Liberty University, and she actually she said to me, I was on someone's LinkedIn the other day and I saw they posted something and I looked at it. And I, it was really funny to me. And she goes, I think I've already seen this. And when we, when our brain sees that, we dismiss it. We don't even think about it. We just dismiss it as almost like, like brain trash, right? Like I've seen that already. No big deal. Off, moving to the next thing. But she, she noticed it and she went back through their feed, just their feed, not the main, you know, everything in the ones, but like just their feed. And she saw that every six weeks they repost the same thing. And she was like, that's fascinating because she didn't really notice it before. And she's been following this person for a long time. And then only after I started mentioning it and she started learning some of the things that I do, she was like, I get it now. Because in your brain, your brain doesn't remember those things. It just, just deletes them. <laughs> yeah. And and also, it's uh, the social media is very fleeting, isn't it? So you may, yes. um, you go into the feed one day and you're probably only seeing about 20% of, of what's actually there. And so you miss a lot of those posts and that's why it's important to repeat them. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, Facebook is about what they call a half-life. Um, and half-life is basically how long it, it stays in the feeds, if you will. So that mm -hmm. in that news feed section, um, from the time you post it to the time it's buried so far down, nobody's seeing it, right? Hmm. It's 30 minutes. Yeah. Half-life is only 30 minutes. So basically your post lives for 30 minutes. And I tell people, if you spend more than 30 minutes writing it, you've just lost time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, that's a good good formula to to keep in mind. All right. Well, this is absolutely fascinating, Elizabeth. I could go on for ages talking about marketing and digging into some of these um, some of these little uh, thoughts and little bits of information that you've got, but I'm just aware of the time and I think it's a good point now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round designed to help our listeners who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So we've got five questions. Hopefully your answers are going to inspire the listener to go and do something awesome today as a result. Sounds good. Fingers crossed, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? What they need to do? Is hmm. that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it's about looking at a problem and then walking around the other side. Hmm. I think we look at things always from the same angle, just from where we stand or from our height. And it's kind of like when, when I'm in the kitchen, I'm only 5'5", five five and I see an issue, um, but I don't really know how to solve it. I'll go get the step stool. <laughs> And I'll be up higher and look at it from a different angle because then I usually am able to figure out the uh, the problem and, and, you know, figure out the answer. So I feel like you're, I think it's more about looking at things from a totally different angle, whether we look at them from above or the side or another side and not just this is what I see. And now I have to fix this 2D puzzle. Everything is really in 3D and we have to think about it that way. Mm -hmm. So you get a different perspective. So how do you do that in, in a non-physical sense? So let's say you've, you've got a business problem. How do you shift the perspective like as if you're climbing on the stepladder? In my case, um, especially like with, with marketing, when I was burning myself out doing these four-week websites and no one was, you know, helping like, me get all the stuff together and I was 
basically running down to the last day and they would shove all this information at me and I'd feel obligated to build their website by the next 24 hours because that's when the contract ended. Yeah. I was stressing myself out for 30 days, but building it in one. And so just looking at what was actually happening and saying, where can I eliminate, like we talked about before, time? Where can I eliminate the stress? If I could take out the 30 days that stressed me out, what am I left with? I'm left with the one day that I actually build the site. And what happens on that one day is I'm actually working with a client one-on-one -on -one almost all day long on the phone, back and forth, back and forth, immediate, immediate answers. And I'm like, what if I just sat him down in a room? You know, so looking at it and saying, if I took out all the bad stuff I don't like about this process, mm. Now, what's what am I left with, and how can I use that to make a new process? Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Remove the frustrations, um, and that website thing is such a good example of that where that happens. And it's like I mentioned before, that my experience as well that uh, you end up doing most of the if you procrastinate, whether it's a website or anything, if you procrastinate, you end up doing most of it at the end. Now, sometimes I use that in a positive sense because something comes up as a as a task to do and i think well i don't need to do that now so i can focus on this other thing and push that away until it needs to get done so you can use it in kind of in the positive sense as well that procrastination but if you're aware of it then you can remove the the frustrating parts of it absolutely hmm. okay now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas well, definitely changing my entire business. <laughs> um, but I also really looked at, you know, what my clients were telling me they needed and wanted and utilizing that and pushing that against what the industry was doing. So when my client says to me, I don't have time to sit and build a website with somebody, hmm. but the industry is telling them that you know, this is how long it takes to build a website. It can take six months. It could take a year. And how do I basically justify the two together and make a new process or come up with something different so that the client is satisfied because the industry is the industry. And a lot of industries are bloated and they're old and they don't move forward and they don't innovate themselves. Because it's just a lot of people all together. It's the industry is just this mm. whole group, right? And they have this group think that says, this is the way we've always done it, so it works. And they kind of trudge along in that. And then I think that if you're that type of person to be that outlier, to actually be the innovator, you're going to be able to take what the client says or what the immediate person you're working with says, look at what the industry is doing and say, there is something totally different here. And again, looking at it from that different perspective, and trying something that seems in to like totally crazy. People thought I was nuts to, to yeah. build a website in a day, but I'd already proven to myself that I could because of the situations I had been put in and hmm. up to that point. So I already had the confidence it could be done, but everyone told me I was crazy. People still, when I talk to them on the phone, they're like, hey, wait, it takes a day? And I'm like, yeah, isn't that great? And they're like, I don't believe you, but, <laughs> and then I have all the social proof to prove it. but. So I think that just being that outlier, and sometimes that's really difficult because people are going to say, um, okay, Nikola Tesla, there's no way we can wirelessly charge something. Mm. And he's like, oh, of course we can. And now we have wireless chargers for our phones. So, you know, there's people going to call you crazy, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Yeah. The next one is what's a favorite resource of yours? Ah, this is really good. So 
I actually have a pro toolkit on my website that's all my favorite resources, but there is something that's not on there that has actually saved my bacon many times. Hmm. And it is called Profit First. It's a book. Oh, right. And when right. I read this book, it actually changed my whole personal finances and my business finances. And it actually is probably the only thing that got us through last year without going into not bankruptcy, but you know, like getting to the bottom of that barrel where you don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I know a lot of my colleagues, they, they got to that point, they, they had to close, they had, you know, all these different things that had to happen. Um, and so I think I'm thankful that I found that resource. And it's just a way to manage your money. That is so different from the norm. It's one of those outliers. It mm. seems crazy. But the fact that it works so well, and it makes you so so much less stressed about money. It's definitely my most favorite resource. And I tell everybody about it. I'm not even associated with the person who wrote it or anything. I know him, but I don't like, you know, I'm not like selling it or anything. But it's just such a great resource. And for $11, you can get it on Amazon. It's mm. definitely worth the $11. <laughs> yeah. And if you go to innovabiz.co forward slash Mike Michalowicz, now I probably have to spend, spell that, but uh, check out the link. And I think I might have also made a link because his nickname's Motorbike Mike. Um, so check that out. But look for Mike Michalowicz or Profit First on InnovaBiz uh, website and you'll see the episode where I had a conversation with Mike around Profit First and his other books as well. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's amazing. Yeah. It's a fabulous book as are all his books but yeah it certainly changed my whole business around so i can really um, feel that and uh it's amazing isn't it when you take that philosophy on board it, it really is and he's one of those people that he did innovate because mm. nobody else was doing it that way nobody else even thought to do it that way even though when you really figure it out and you read it and you understand it you're like oh my gosh this makes so much sense why doesn't everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. do this <laughs> that's right yeah Okay, now what's the best way to keep a client on track? <laughs> Maybe you've already answered uh, yes. that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> definitely isolating them, <laughs> getting yeah. them out of their comfort zone a little bit, putting them in, uh, I, I like windowless rooms, but you know, sometimes people need that little extra outside coming in, the sunlight coming in, but um, I use an office that has no windows, so there's no distractions. Um, but definitely, I have an agenda when I walk into that room. I have, mm. this is what we need to accomplish for the day. And it's a checklist in my mind. And I, I usually get about 80 to 90% of it done. And I always aim to have at least 60% of it done. Because some of the things I like to add in that are extra, they're not always necessary, but I like to try and throw them in if we can. Um, and the client comes in with nothing. I actually get my clients to not prep. I don't let them you know, focus on that and worry about it all week before we actually meet. I say, you know what? If you, I'm going to give you a list of things to do. If you do them, great. If you don't do them, don't worry about it. We're going to mm. do them all on our day. And I build all that time in so that they ha don't have that stress. And I think that if a client comes in a little bit anxious, a little bit have nervous, and they're just like, I didn't prep anything. I don't know what to do. And over the course of the next couple of hours, it helps them when they settle down, they kind of can keep themselves on track because mm. they, they're not stressed up until that point, right? They're not worried about, I got to grab all these things. I got to write all this stuff. You know, and they're not trying to basically build the site before we build it. We're building yeah. it together. And so I found that really helps. And then also when they do get off track, I just remind them, well, we can debate this for another three and a half hours, which would be the end of the day, but then we wouldn't really get anything else done. And then they go, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me make a decision. Let me make a decision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then they're yeah. on track again. <laughs> yeah. 
It's it's fascinating, isn't it? But how do you deal with um, because if people have accounts that you then want need to use, for example, if they've already got an an email marketing system set up and you need the account and the the password and so on, do you do you send them a list of that? Say you know bring along your passwords and 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 your login. Yeah, I do. Hmm. I do. However, most of them because I tell them I don't want you to stress, and if any of this stresses you out, just show up, right? Um, they usually either don't know the password and they give me the wrong one initially yeah, yeah. or they go, I, I just couldn't deal. I, you told me not to do anything. So I didn't, I said, okay, that's <laughs> fine. And we sit for, you know, five or 10 minutes and we run through the list. Okay. I need you to log into that. I need you to log into this. And a lot of the times I kind of do these in tandem sessions so that I'm working on something. So let's say I'm building their about page. Mm. I'm making them write their bio. If I'm working on setting up the section for the social media or I mean the email marketing section, I'm telling them log into your email marketing where they're going there next. So I'm kind of setting them ahead of me a little bit and I'll be over here working on the technical stuff and they're over here working on something that we're moving into next. So it's a really great like in tandem piece. Um, and it's just something I've learned to do over time and, and definitely didn't do it in the first few months that I started doing this, but it's definitely something that's kind of developed and evolved and it, it helps them to, to be on track doing something because people don't like to just sit. They want to be mm. doing something. And then it helps me to get all the technical stuff done that I need to get done so that when I say, are you ready? They're like, yep, I got it. We're in, you know, and so they may have to reset or whatever, but I try to keep us in tandem working together. Hmm. Fabulous. I like it. Okay. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think it's to come up with your own workflow or process, even if it's bits and pieces of different processes you've learned because I don't think anything we do is, is like unlearned. I think everything we do is learned. And so let's say you take a little bit of my process and a little bit of your process and a little bit of Tony Robbins process and you kind of mix it all together and you make it your own process. It's just yours, even though it may seem similar to someone else's, but it is really truly yours. And you, you brand it, you name it. And, you know, people do marketing. There's people that do websites in a day. There's people that do, um, you know, social media in a day. Like they have all these tools that they use. But mine is all five days together. You know, mm -hmm. it's not just one or the other. And it also is my own brand of that. That's everything is connected. So I took parts of different processes I knew were going to work. And I put them together in my own unique process. And I think that's something that when you have your own process, whether it's we make the best bread and we have our own special ovens we use because we use this process and we, we let it um, rise overnight or, you know, whatever your process is that's different from someone else, the process is what's actually going to differentiate you, not necessarily the end product. Because in, in marketing, you want the end product to always be the same, that the person gets more clients, that they get more connections, that they have those conversions. So the end product is not the same, but how you get there is different. And I think that's really where we can differentiate. Hmm. Yeah, great. I love it. And and also talking about the system and building off, off what you learn from other people and adding your own flavor to it and, and, and marrying up the things. Because sometimes you look at a system and say, well, I like this bit, but I don't like that bit. So you can pull it apart and recombine it with other ones. So yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, thanks, Elizabeth. This has been really great. Now, where can people find out more about Absolute Marketing and maybe even get in touch with you to say thanks for what you've shared today? 
Oh, absolutely. I would love to uh, hear from the listeners. And I do um, 15-minute phone calls as well. So if anybody wants to ask a question or they have questions about their own marketing, I'm always happy to share resources. Um, my website is getabsolutemarketing.com. And again, like I said, I have a pro toolkit there, which is all the resources I use on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis. That's free. Um, and I also have my uh, online membership, which has a free seven-day trial for everybody who wants to try it. It's all my videos, live trainings, guest trainings. Um, we also have all my eBooks. Like everything that I've ever done is all in one place. So it's awesome. Great. All right. We'll have a link to your website um, in the show notes so people can click straight through. Now, um, do you have some parting advice today for our listener? Yes. Uh, and this is something I share often. And uh, when I was um, a teenager and I was frustrated about something, my mom said to me, she's like, everything is temporary. This, what you're going through is temporary. This is temporary. And I, I've taken that and I've really taken that to heart. So even during last year when there was lockdowns and you know, and, and things were really different and, and our businesses were, were hanging in the balance as it were. Um, and also even just going through becoming a, you know, being a speaker and trying to do speaking in this day and age, it's just all these things that are like frustrating, right? It could be frustrating. And I just remember this is temporary hmm. and even the good things, they're yeah. also temporary. And so you have to remember to enjoy them exactly. and be present yeah. with them. And so I like to keep that in mind pretty much through any good, bad, in different times, it <laughs> doesn't matter because whether it's bad, it'll change. If it's not going well, it's going to change. If it's going really great, it could change any moment hmm. and you have to be ready for that and you have to be willing to enjoy what you have now, you know, while it's there. So, so I just take that this is temporary, whether you're going through a good situation or a bad situation, just remembering that and moving through life um, with, with presence and um, keeping that in mind. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And particularly the the good side of that to actually appreciate and take the time to really be aware and be present there in that good space because that too is temporary. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, finally, Elizabeth, who else should I get on this show and why? Oh, well, you've already had Mike on, so that's, <laughs> that's going to be good. Um, that was, I have to go back and listen to that episode. Um, I actually really think um, there's someone actually in Australia. His name is Dave Pillow, and he is a very interesting character. Um, but he has created several businesses um, around the faith and government side of things. So it's mm. very controversial, but very interesting. Um, and he's just he's just done several different things that I've seen him change brands and do multiple businesses and run huge events. And so he's just a very interesting person. Um, and he's done a lot of really cool things and definitely innovated in his space. All right. Well, we'll um, get an intro to Dave if you know him. And uh, yeah, I will send you an email. Yeah. Great. And reach out to him, see if we can get him on the show, find a time where we can have a chat. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights today with us so generously. Elizabeth, I've really enjoyed this, learned a lot about your process. I, I was fascinated um, reading your website and, and where you outlined the process. And I thought, hmm, you know, I, I kept thinking of my experiences and where things could go wrong here. But I'd see you've really worked through this and developed a very robust system. So I've learned how, you know, you can you can actually work your way through this system and, and certainly that idea of take away the 95% of time where you're just going backwards and forwards and 
procrastinating and, and focus on that 5%. So I think that's the, that's the big lesson today, regardless of whether it's in marketing or building websites or putting together brand assets, social media, or whether it's just general business stuff. Really, the power of focus is, is so magical. So thanks for sharing that and highlighting that for us today. So all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Elizabeth and took something away from her episode. I particularly love the quote, everything is temporary, and Elizabeth's reframe, because it does apply to the good times too. So enjoy and savour those good times and be fully present. I'd love to know what you took away from Elizabeth's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Elizabeth Pampalone. That is E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H-P-A-M-P-A-L-O-N-E. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Elizabeth Pampalone. You'll also find contact information for getting in touch with Elizabeth there, as well as links to the Absolute Marketing website, her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode, please do share it with two other people that it might help. Tag me in on that share and I will reach out to you with a special surprise. Thank you. Elizabeth suggested that we have a conversation with speaker and activist Dave Pello on a future InnovaVice podcast episode. So Dave, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaVice podcast, courtesy of Elizabeth Pampalone. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Matthew Sweezy, author of The Context Marketing Revolution, and Paul Chapman of Australian Turntables. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.